Welcome to Stories from the Heart. I'm your host, Sandra McDevitt. Today in Stories from the Heart, the true story of the child martyr of the Tyrol. Little known outside of Austria, this little martyr had a chapel built in his honor outside Innsbruck, Austria, where miracles have taken place. Stay tuned for another true story on Stories from the Heart. Just outside of Innsbruck, Austria, is a well-built shrine, plain and neat, rising from the midst of soft, luxuriant shrubbery, and never fails to claim at least a passing glance from the keen-eyed tourist. The shrine is octagonal in shape, and its sides are of terracotta. A door of glass permits us to peep within, and as we do so, the eye rests upon frescoes and upon statues quaintly carved and curiously ornamented. An altar, too, is there, covered with linen white as a winter's mantle, and decorated with flowers and candles. These candles burn through the night, and doubtless cheer the heart as well as light the path of the mountaineer, as in the eerie hours of darkness he pursues his lonely way to the distant heights of the Austrian Alps. To the rear of the altar and somewhat raised above it is the image of a boy not more than three years old. He wears clothes of some coarse red stuff. The eyes are bright with the innocence of childhood. The cheeks plump with health and dimpled, and the brow is bound with a chaplet of flowers. Now our first inclination on beholding this very pleasing picture of boyhood is, we must confess, to smile good-humoredly at what we consider some pious person's idea of the infant Jesus. The intention was good, as we admit to ourselves, but the designer was more patriotic than artistic. He lacked imagination, and his ideas were local. Nor are we altogether to blame for this impression, for we remember having seen, not far from this very spot, a representation of the crucifixion in which all the characters portrayed wore the costumes of the Tyrol of Austria. But, as the eye rose from the statue to the other ornaments within, a peculiar fresco attracts the attention and rivets the gaze. It represents three peasant women standing in a harvest field, one with a mingled look of alarm and bewilderment depicted on her countenance, extends her right hand for the inspection of her companions, who appear equally terrified and amazed. On the hand are visible three glistening drops of blood. There is a strange attraction in this representation, which at once fascinates and awes. Curiously, we turn to the explanation on the tablet. Over 150 years ago, in this very valley in which we stand, and not far from the spot where the shrine now rears its modest dome, the harvesters were merry at their toil. Among them was a young married woman from a neighboring village, who, like another biblical Ruth, was noticeable for her thrift and industry in the reaper's wake. Yet... 
she was strangely quiet. Amid the joyous throng, she alone was silent. Her lips refused to swell the strains of the merry chorus of the harvesters. Poor woman, she had little heart for mirth. And when her lips did move, it was to breathe to heaven an earnest prayer. Though no hands were quicker or more deft than hers in gathering and binding the wealth of golden grain, yet her mind was far away, and her maternal breast throbbed convulsively as she thought of her baby boy, her only son, alone and unprotected in the modest hut far up the mountainside. Suddenly she turns her anxious eyes to heaven, drops as it were of rain had fallen. Her home is three miles distant, and to return in the teeth of an alpine storm would be far from agreeable. But the heavenward glance reassures her, and the dreamy blue of the autumn sky, unflecked with cloud or harbinger of storm, smiles all her fears away. Then she looks upon her hand. Oh, heaven! A short, quick cry of anguish bursts from her ashen lips, a cry that rises high above the reaper's song and summons the kindly neighbors in a moment to her side. The drops which had fallen upon her were not raindrops, as at first she had surmised, but ruby gems of blood still warm and bright. The worst fears of the poor distracted woman now seemed realized. Oh, Mother Mary, she cries in a turbulent agony of grief and dread. My Andre, my baby boy. In vain, the neighbors seek to comfort her. She breaks from them and runs. With slower pace, the neighbors follow, and when some half hour later they enter the mountain chalet, they find the mother in a swoon upon the earthen floor. But of Andre, of the child who to the mother's heart was dearer than life, no trace is visible. A search was at once instituted and resulted in what is too terrible for language to express. The beautiful boy was found suspended from a tree in the depth of a wood. His innocent body had been shamefully denuded and most terribly torn and mutilated. His limbs were hacked in a way that turned sick the hearts of the stoutest beholders. The head and face alone escaped mutilation. The devils, it would seem, who had so ruthlessly and wantonly destroyed the body, were powerless to mar the beautiful face. A rock hard by, covered with blood, and some scraps of the boy's clothing, showed where the inhumane crime had been committed. The body was taken from the tree with all possible reverence and borne to the cottage where sat the mother in her nameless woe. Without a cry or moan, she received the child. Without a word or sign of sorrow, she bore him swiftly to the little church and laid him down before Our Lady's shrine. Prostrate before the mother of sorrows, her tongue poured forth the torrent of her awful grief. Then she grew silent. Faith stilled the storm of her anguish and taught her to drink with resignation her bitter chalice of affliction. After some minutes of unbroken calm, she rose 
and turning to the awe-stricken peasants who had gathered in silence within the church, cried with a ring of triumph in her tones, which would have well become the heroic mother of the book of Maccabees. The soul of my boy is at this moment with that of the infant host, the first to die for Christ, and the martyr's crown and blood-red robe are his. No one doubted the mother's words. No one thought her mad with grief. For from the moment the body was discovered, little Andre was enshrined in the people's heart as a boy martyr of the Tarot. But what of the perpetrators of this awful deed? Records of the trial, collected and published by a prominent physician, show that the crime was committed by three men. They were apprehended and executed in the fortress which surmounts that charming town. Hatred of Christ and all of Christ's believers, they confessed, was their sole motivation for the atrocious act. On the spot, or rather near the spot, where the deed was committed, a beautiful church now stands. The little martyr's bones, encased in a silver shrine, repose above the tabernacle, and on the epistle side of the altar, the blood-besprinkled rock on which his innocent life was taken is carefully preserved. Four waxen figures on the rock represent the fearful tragedy with a force and vividness enough to make one shudder. Although little Andre has not yet been formally canonized, and although in the church in which his relics are laid is dedicated to the holy innocence, still private devotion to him is encouraged by the bishop and priests of the vicinity. A vote of mass to be offered once a year in his honor has been permitted to the priests in the immediate neighborhood, while solemn processions in which his relics are reverently borne often takes place. That many favors have been obtained through the intercession of the blessed child, the numerous offerings on the walls of the church give abundant testimony. One incident, well authenticated, I remember impressed me greatly. A Polish countess residing near had a son 19 years old whose feet and legs were powerless from his birth. Filled with holy faith, the mother made a vow to perform a novena in honor of the child martyr and to furnish silver feet for his shrine on condition that God would be pleased to give life and strength to the limbs of her son. Her request was speedily granted, and the countess fulfilled her promise, and richly wrought silver feet now enclosed the foot bones of the martyr. Many other cures sufficiently marvelous are related by the good people of the neighborhood who look upon the small Andre as a saint preeminently their own. The Seven Sorrows of the Blessed Virgin Mary The First Sorrow The Prophecy of Simeon When Mary and Joseph present the child Jesus in the temple, Simeon predicts a sort of sorrow will pierce Mary's heart. The second sorrow of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the flight into Egypt. When Herod orders the death of all male children under the age of two, Joseph and Mary flee to Egypt. The third sorrow of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the child Jesus is lost in the temple. 
Mary and Joseph searched for the child Jesus for three days, finding him in the temple, preaching to the elders. The fourth sorrow of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Mary meets Jesus carrying the cross. Mary is heartbroken watching her son carry the cross through the streets of Jerusalem. The fifth sorrow of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Mary stands at the foot of the cross. The sixth sorrow of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Mary receives the body of Jesus into her arms. The seventh sorrow of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Mary witnesses the burial of Jesus and waits the resurrection. Thank you for joining us on Stories from the Heart. Today's true story was written by the Reverend McHugh and published in Ave Maria magazine. For a copy of this or any of my stories, email Sandra at AveMariaRadio.net. Stories from the Heart is recorded in the studios of Ave Maria Radio. I'm Sandra McDevitt. May God bless the rest of your day. Missed a show? Not sure if it came from Ave Maria Radio? Go to AveMariaRadio.net. A list of shows and hosts are there. And if you find the show you're looking for, you can hear the whole thing again by going through the Ave Maria Radio audio archives. For two years, we've recorded nearly every show from Ave Maria Radio. Just click on the audio archives message located at the center of our homepage. Now you even have more reasons to become a radioactive Catholic by going to AveMariaRadio.net.